You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. I mention this almost every week. I want you to go ahead and use this as a way to communicate to us. We communicate to each other this way. Um, if you are visiting or you're our guest, this is a great way to let us know who you are. And uh, we will contact you. Usually send you a little note or a letter just reminding you that we do pray for you and uh, we're just thankful that you've spent time with us this morning. Right now, I think right now we're having our discovery class, so there's some people that are involved in that and so that's a good thing and I'm excited about that, but there are a few other things. Hey, pull out your bulletin. You can see that we have two or three announcements, three announcements on the front of the bulletin. First of all, we have a new women's Bible study. It's going to be on Ruth, the book of Ruth. And uh, Ashley, Ashley Smith is going to be out in the lobby after the service. Ladies, if you want to go, you can sign up and be part of that. It'd be great to have you on a Wednesday evening Bible study. We also have um, Lost and Found, which is out those doors right over there. You can go out and see if there are a lot of things. I saw some cool sunglasses. And, and it was all I could do, you know, I'm just, I just walked by them. I didn't, I didn't claim them. But if they're there, you know, another few weeks, I don't know where they might go. So just there's some cool sunglasses out there. And then on, he, on the, the last announcement is um, our Canby Foursquare Internship. This is a great place for our uh, young adults, young leaders to learn. They grow during this time going to Canby Bible College, being part of really the church ministry here and how much that blesses us. And I know that our interns really grow through this process. So if you know somebody or if you are that somebody that wants to be part of that, then you just go ahead and contact Annette. I think there are going to be people out front, just around, that you can just make contact with, and we will sure, um, we'll, we'll, we'll sure like to invite you in and be part of that process. So let's do that. So today, this is what we need to do. I'm going to ask you to do something with me. I'm going to ask you to just take a, a moment and pause, and I'm going to ask you to just ask the Spirit of God to just open your heart to the words that He wants to speak to you today out of the book of Ephesians. So let's do that together. Father, we just open our hearts as we open your word that you would speak to us and that you would speak your word and bring life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I can say this. I sure am looking forward to the next few months because I recognize and see that God is up to some good things in your life. They're not always easy things, but when God is up to something in your life, they are good things. And it's those good things that we embrace because he wants the best for us. And so starting next Sunday, we begin a new teaching series titled Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. And what this is really about, it's a study in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. And so if you want to start into the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, you go ahead. Just start diving in. You can go after the first chapter. Next week, we're going to give you a little background on who is Nehemiah and why was Nehemiah even in Jerusalem. So we want to talk a little bit about his life. The thing that I really want you to get a hold of is that Nehemiah was really one of those ordinary guys. Nehemiah took a bunch of ordinary people and they did this extraordinary thing. And what they did is they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in such a timely manner. And it was amazing the accomplishment that that, that really is in Scripture. And so we want to jump into that and be part of that. Now, last Sunday, you know that we finished a study in the book of 1 John. It was there that we talked about this radical love of God. 
And I hope that you continue to experience the radical love of Jesus Christ in your own life. Uh, because Jesus is amazing. He takes care of us. He, he really does bring his love to us in so many different ways. And, in fact, we are taught, we're told to bring that love to others. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do this. We're going to take a pause. Uh, we want to talk about something that's not an unfamiliar subject to many of you. And you've heard this phrase over and over here, and we're going to talk about it again today. It's keeping the main thing the main thing. I thought today would be a good time to talk about Jesus. How about that? That we just talk about Jesus and who Jesus is to us, how Jesus has brought salvation to us, what he means to our life, what he means to our future, keeping the main thing the main thing. Because when we talk about this church and really what God has in store for us, it is Jesus Christ at the center. That Jesus Christ is the head of this church. He is the leader of this church. And so we want to talk about what he has to speak to us today through the Apostle Paul. So in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, you can turn there if you'd like. What I want us to know and understand through this message that you hear today is that it reminds us, and we need to remind ourselves, that in the middle of a chaotic world, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why we want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, because this is where Paul focuses our hearts. It's here that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus to essentially remind them to keep the main thing the main thing. This is a church that Paul planted. These are people, friends that Paul deeply loved. And now, 10 years later, he writes this amazing letter from a prison in Rome. It's part of what we call the prison epistles. Now, I think the passion that Paul has for the Ephesians uh, to keep Jesus in the center of, this, of their lives, of their church, is really seen in how he prays for them. And so when you look at chapter 1, you go down to verse 15, you're going to find this prayer from verses 15 through 23. And here's what I love about this passage. In the original manuscript, when Paul is praying this prayer, there really is no punctuation. Now, now, what you see here and what you're about to read, the punctuation there has been put there by, by editors and Bible scholars and people like that to, to give us a little understanding of what he's saying through our own punctuation. But what you're hearing is you're hearing one long sentence. Paul doesn't even take a breath. And that's, that's exciting to me because, you know, when someone can't take a breath, they're pretty passionate about what they're talking about. And what Paul shows us here is he shows us the passion of Jesus Christ for you. He shows us the passion and he speaks of the passion of Jesus Christ for his church, for the body of Christ. He just begins and he just goes on and he begins to pray. I don't know if you have relatives like that. I, I have some relatives that will just start praying and you do not know when they're going to stop. You don't know where, where, where they're going to end. My, my dad is notorious for this. I should say we're blessed because of it. That's what I should say. But especially around Thanksgiving time, you know, you want someone to take a pause, make it short. I'm kind of a short prayer guy. Those that hang out with me, I, I'm sincere, but it's, it's let's, let's say what we need to say. Let's do what we need to do. My dad isn't that way. My, my dad really prays, and he prays, and he prays. And by the way, if you want someone to pray for you, have him pray for you. He will pray for you. But at Thanksgiving time, when my kids were little, he just started praying. And we all were holding hands like we do at Thanksgiving around the table. And my dad went on 
and on and on. And I'm looking at my little boys, and they're just staring at the turkey. And they're just staring at the mashed potatoes. And my oldest son, he was about five at the time, my dad came to a place in the prayer that he went, and just took a pause because he needed to at least breathe during this prayer. And my little boy just yelled out, Amen. And we all yelled, Amen. (laughs) Prayer was over. Prayer was over. So so now when my dad goes a while, we all just say, Amen. Amen. We'll get the second half later. Well, Paul is kind of this way. He's so excited about us coming together. He's so excited about this church. And this is what he says. Listen to what Paul says, beginning at verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And we say, Amen. Got to get a breath there. Because Paul wants you to know a whole lot. The first thing that you want to notice in this breathless prayer is what Paul says at the end of verse 17. At the end of verse 17, he says this, this, this most important thing. He says that you may know him better. Now, that's a key here. That's a key phrase because that's really what he's all about. That's what he's getting after here. He's saying, I want you to know him better. I want you to keep the main thing the main thing. I want you to keep knowing him. I want you to keep loving him. He says, you need to know him. So keeping the main thing the main thing means, first of all, foremost, is to know Jesus Christ and to be in a journey of relationship with him. In verses 16 and 17, I want you to hear it again. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know him better. You see, for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, we did more than obligate ourselves to a moral standard of living. We did more than to live by a new code of conduct. You see, when you say yes to Jesus, you become forever connected to the source of all sources, the life of all life, the power of all powers. Jesus isn't just our, he's not just our teacher, he's not just our rabbi, Jesus is our Lord. And that's what Paul is making sure we understand. He's saying he's your Lord. He's a Lord that has saved you from the dominion of sin. He's a Lord that has saved you and and has brought eternal life so that you would know him. Paul is pressing this home. He's so excited. 
In fact, he uses a, a few things here that he wants you to know about Jesus. He says, in order for you to really know who he is, one of the things you need to do is you need to understand his power. If, if you're, if you're going to give your life to him, if you're going to follow him, you need to know his power. So Paul, he tells us in verses 19 and 20 that Jesus has the power over death. Now, this is a big statement here. He's saying Jesus Christ has, has the power over death. And Paul's not just talking about a physical death. He's not talking about just something happens where you physically die and you go into eternity with Jesus. Paul is talking about anything that brings death to you. He's talking about the way you think because he's always coming after the way you think. Read through Philippians, read through Thessalonians, read through a Romans. He will address the way that you think. Because he knows this, he knows that oftentimes we let death seep in to those thoughts that we have. That, that death comes in and begins to quench out the life that God has intended for us to live. And so when Paul talks about Jesus having conquered death, he's not talking just physical death, he's talking spiritual and emotional death. He's talking mental death. Those places where Paul says, hey, think on these things, and the reason you need to think on these things is because these things bring life. He tells us to live by the fruit of the Spirit. Let that manifest itself in our life. Why does he do that? Because they bring life. So Paul is saying, listen, to understand his power is to really to know him. So whatever forces at work in your life that, that hold you back, whatever forces in your life that bring darkness and heartache and brokenness, those forces do not have the last word. I think that's the thing that Paul is really wanting us to understand. Those forces don't have the last say in your life. They don't have the last word. Those forces do not have ultimate power in the world that you live in because Jesus does. Some of us have been, uh, we've, been trained, uh, we've been trained to believe that our lives are subject to the power of economy. We believe, we've been trained that our lives are subject to the power of an employer or the power of government. We might not say that out loud, but the way we live sure indicates that, that, that we're, we're, we're bowing down to that. We're believing that that is the ultimate power and the ultimate say in our life. And it isn't because what we know here is he has conquered death. He's the one that has power. Paul says it in another place in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It's one of our favorite verses. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Boy, I hope that one just goes deep into your heart. Because if you let that verse, those few verses, just saturate your heart and your spirit, there's something different you come out. You come out transformed. There's something different about our lives when we take a hold of this and we know that he's conquered death. Body, soul, and spirit, he's conquered anything that brings death to you. Anything that brings death to your life, Jesus has overcome. So Paul also does this. Paul also tells us in verse 20 that we need to understand what God thinks about Jesus. 
I love this. What's the father thinking about the son? Well, we had an indication at the baptism of Jesus. You know, he said, this is, this is my beloved son. I love the way it says it in the Pigeon Bible. The Pigeon Bible, it says that when Jesus came out of the waters, the Pigeon Bible says, God said, that my boy. That my boy right there. And I think he, say, he, he says that to you. That my boy. That my girl. He wants you to know that you are chosen, that you're his. And so what, what, what we hear in this place, what does God think about Jesus? It says he is seated. Jesus is seated at the right hand in heavenly realms in a place of honor. That Jesus has been given a place of honor. I love this quote. I, I wish I could find the author of it. Some of you may know who the author is. I, I don't know. It's a brief quote, but it makes a, makes a ton of sense to me. It says this, men are honored not for what they have received, but for what they've given. See, Jesus gave us his life. Jesus has given honor by his father. He's given honor by his father because of what he has given us. It's what he has given up for us so that we could have life. This is the reason he sits in this place of honor. That the father says, my son, come and sit with me. You're going to sit in a place of, of honor. That Jesus submitted his life to his father. That he walked through this life on earth, submitted to his father. And now he's on the right hand of the father. He's sitting on the right hand of the father. I don't know. If you think about someone in your life, I don't There are probably people in your life that that you think about or maybe you had your parents point to and say, now that's a person that deserves honor. And, and the reason they say that is because that person, um, that person had given a whole lot. They had given a whole lot maybe for, for our country. They had given a whole lot for maybe their family, whatever it might be. But I, I remember that. I remember who that person was in my life. I remember the first person. That when I was little, I, I think I was just—I think I was just in preschool, maybe—and and, and I remember being with my dad at a men's retreat, and my dad just said, "Son, I want you to see this man. I, I want you to see that man right over there. You see that man?" And I said, "Yeah." And he says, "You need to—you need to honor him." See, my dad was talking to me already about honoring, and uh, and, and and my dad said, "The reason you need to honor that man right there is because he was in World War II." And, and he was in the Bataan Death March. And that he, he carried some of his buddies that were already dead. He carried them and then he made it through. And that, that he survived something horrific. But, but he gave so much. And he saw so many others give. <laughs> and I remember my dad saying to me over and over, you honor him. You honor him. Why? Because he had given a lot. See, no one is given more than Jesus Christ. And that's why he sits on the throne with his Father in heaven. To know Jesus is to honor Jesus. That he's worthy of our honor. He deserves our honor. He has earned our honor. He has earned the honor of his Father. There's something else here that's interesting. The last thought about knowing Jesus. It has to do with understanding his authority. So we understand the power, we understand honor, we understand authority. In verse 21, it says, Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
this is one, this one verse, Paul, Paul tells us that Jesus has all spiritual authority and all physical authority. That Paul says this is, this, he says this in such a way that when he says Jesus has all, what he means is that Jesus has all. There's no one above him. He's just saying Jesus has all authority. Think about the authorities in your life. He's above them. Think about the authorities that are spiritual authorities. He's above them. He has all authority. He's letting us know that he has all authority and that when we have a relationship with him, when we know him, what we do is we live under that authority. We have access to that authority in Jesus' name. He's telling you that. And I think that's something important for us to know today. Because I think the service this morning with worship started out this way and telling us, listen, we need to know and praise him because he has all authority, all dominion, all power in his name. And sometimes we, we, we forget to talk about this. And I, I think the reason is, 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 is we get removed a little bit from what is honor. That sounds like an old word. Or what is authority? What are those things? Listen, I think we need to return and renew in our own hearts what all this really means. And that's really what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. That you're not the authority. That the government is not the authority. He's saying that Jesus is the authority. Paul is making sure that we understand that our lives are not built on some flimsy philosophy. He's, he's saying to you that, you listen, you're not building your life on some, something somebody made up. You're not building your life on human reason, but on the authority of Jesus Christ. And his authority stands now and forever. That's what he's saying here. This is real. This is real. This is not religion. He's not talking about religion. He's talking about relationship. And he's provided for you his, his own authority. And so to know Jesus, what we're looking at here is we're looking at understanding his power. We're looking at understanding his honor. We're looking at understanding his authority. That's a big deal. Paul wants us to know that. He also tells us this when he moves on a little in this prayer, keeping the main thing. The main thing means not only to know Jesus, but it also means to know who we are in Jesus. So he's saying to you, this is who you are in Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we can make sense of who we are and our purpose in life. I think that's one of the the places that life can be fragmented is when we drift from Jesus, we drift from really our own self and understanding who we are. But when we get close to him, we know more about who we are and how we've been made and what our purpose is in life. Amen? That's by knowing him, I get a hold of, of my own identity. In verse 18, Paul says this, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, some, uh, some translations say understanding, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, in his holy, his holy people. This verse is key to knowing who we are in Jesus. And Paul uses a few words to help get you there. <clears throat> he gives you a few words to help you get to this place of you knowing who you are in Jesus. One of those words is the word understanding or the word heart. And I want you to think about that for a minute. Not only does Paul speak about um, understanding intellectually, He's not talking about just intellectual understanding of who Jesus is and who you are in him. He's talking about having a grasp on 
the life application of God's word and the real life of Jesus in you. He's talking to you about getting a hold of what it looks like to live out the life of Jesus. Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart or your understanding, for it is the wellspring of life. So Paul's saying it's here, it's this place of understanding that we grow in, that we, we, we know more of who he is, we know more of who we are. And he uses another word here, if you see the word enlightened, it's an interesting word. It's a word that actually we get our, um, our word photograph from. Uh, it's in the Greek, it's photizo is what it really means. I mean, that's the word. And, and I was reading this the other day thinking, I need this. I need this because photographs are intended to remind us of something that's happened and oftentimes something significant has happened. We, we take pictures and photographs at our, our weddings, our anniversaries, our, our baby dedications, our baptisms, our baby births, our birthdays. I mean, we take them. Why do you take them? Because you want to you want to have something to remember that when you go back and you look at it, you go, wow, this, this really happened. And then, then I throw my inability to remember uh, because I'm prone to forget God's goodness. I'm prone to forget God's grace and his, his saving grace in my life. So what Paul says here is I want you to have a photographic memory here with God's goodness in your life. I mean, we used to do this more. We have them on our phones, but in my wallet, I carry around pictures of, uh, I still do, I carry around pictures of all my, my kids, my wife, I, and I, there are times you'll, I'll just pull it out and I'll, I'll just look at that picture for a little bit. There's a photo there that just reminds me of how much I really love them, how much I care for them, and it invokes good memories of that relationship I have with them. Paul's saying, be thinking about the things that invoke those good memories that you have in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Take a picture. Let this be a memorable impression. Don't forget who he is. He says, when things get hard, <laughs> pull out the picture. When things get really difficult and you go through a hard time... Pull out, pull out the picture of God's greatness and take time and stare at it for a while. Take time and look at it for a while and remember His greatness. And then there's a, another word that Paul uses here. It's the word calling or called. It's actually a two-fold application here and I want you to get both of them because one is called to salvation in Jesus Christ, that you've been called. The Holy Spirit has brought you into this place of salvation. And the other is called to serve others on behalf of Jesus Christ. There's twofold meaning there. So you can't just be called to Jesus Christ without, be calling, without being called to serve others. You know what I'm saying? So when you're called to Jesus Christ, you're also called to serve others. That is the way that you make the life of Jesus real in the world that you're part of is you start to and you serve those people around you. That's what, that's what it means here. That's what Paul's talking about. What Paul wants us uh, to know is that in Jesus Christ, we all have this bright future, this incredible hope. 
Now, when we go through difficult times, and certainly the church of Ephesus did, um, in fact, the church of Ephesus went through difficult times not too long after this letter was written, and, and Paul saying, hey, when you go through these difficult times, you need to know that even when that happens, you have a bright future and incredible hope. I don't know all the details to what God wants to do in my life to bring that, that hope. I don't know all the details that, he's, that he, he's working in your life, but I know in Jesus it's good, and he guarantees it. He said, for those that are in him, there's, there's a guarantee. It was a few months ago. <clears throat> it was a really wet and cold, rainy day, and, um, and I was planning to play golf with my friend. Well, we were going to play the week after on a Friday. But you have to make, you know, your tea times and do all that ahead of time. And so I'm making tea times and I'm looking outside going, this is awful. And if someone was to ask me, they'd say, why, are, why in the world are you doing that now? Why are you doing it? It's so awful. The weather is horrible. The storm moved in. This is horrible. And I thought, you know what? The reason I'm doing it is because I, I have hope Friday's going to be sunshiny. That's what I'm doing it. See, the, the storm might be awful right now, but Friday's coming, the sunshine's coming, the goodness is coming. And you just plan on it. Plan on the goodness of God working in your life. It's beautiful. It's going to be a wonderful thing that how He works out things in our lives. When you live here in this place, you get that. You, you know that today's going to, it might be rainy, but tomorrow might be sunny. So we keep living our life accordingly. We keep living our life in faith and saying, Lord, we believe in you. We trust in you. The storm will pass. We will see the beauty of all that you do for us regardless of the weather that we're going through today. We will see your beauty. God's forecast for your life is very, very good. For those that are in Jesus Christ, just hear it. God's forecast for your life is good. You don't need a lot of radar for that. Uh, you don't need Doppler. Uh, you don't need all those things. You just need to know his word tells you, his authority says that you have a good future ahead for you. That's what he says in verse 18. We are God's precious treasure. Throughout all the ages and into eternity, those who are in Jesus Christ are his treasure. You're his treasure. And I'm going to finish with this. Keeping the main thing the main thing has one more aspect to it, and that's that you need to experience the power of Jesus Christ. So we talked about him having power, but we need to experience that power in our own lives. And that's what he says again. I love it. I'm going to say it again in verse 19. His incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church. God's power is available. And I, and I, think, <clears throat> I, I think we need to say that because it's true, but we need to repeat that at times because we do feel so weak. Because we do oftentimes feel powerless over our circumstances, over the things going on around us. But what we can say is, God, your power is available to me. 
Your power gives me strength in life. I, I, I need that power. It's in you and me. His, his power is available to the church. That's you. That's me. It's you and me. And everyone who's given their life for, or given their lives to Jesus Christ has this power available through the power of his Holy Spirit. So here's the thing to press home. Paul's not only talking to us as individuals, he's talking to us as a community. So he's writing to the church of Ephesus. He's planted that church. He loves that church. Out of that church, the church of Colossae was planted. Other great things happened out of that church. So he loves this church. And he's saying to them, hey, I want you to know something. This power is, is available and you are his body. You are the church. So every time someone is in need and you help meet that need, then the church helps. Every time someone needs a visit and you visited, then the church helped. It's important. Every time somebody needs somebody to be prayed for, you pray for somebody, you go and you pray for somebody, just remember that when you pray for somebody, the church prayed and helped somebody. Uh, we've, we've become pretty individualistic, haven't we? And, and when we talk about the church, you need to point at yourself. You need to include yourself. It's not just what goes on here in this building. It's not just a structure. This is a living organism. This is the body of Christ. So in Jesus' name, be empowered to go pray, to go visit, to go help. You do it. And, and watch what God does. Watch the blessing that comes to your life. Watch the blessing that goes and, and flows from you to others. In verse 19, it says, His incomparably great power for us who believe. That means if you need God's power to touch others for Jesus, you can have it. Don't hesitate. When God puts someone in front of you to pray for somebody or talk to somebody, don't hesitate. Man, I tell you what, one of the things that I, I'm going I'm to just divulge something one of the things that that sitting down with a net looking into the new year and saying what do i what do i really need to pay attention to you know what i really need to pay attention to what i need to do better what i really really need to learn i need to learn to listen see i, I need to learn to listen to the holy spirit when the holy spirit says stop right there just for a moment and, and you you just smile at that person you just you just pray for that person. And I'm, I'm trying. I mean, because I know there's been a couple times in the last few weeks that I, I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, you know, stop right here. And I, uh, you know, I took off. Uh, and I was so convicted after I got around the block, I turned back around and came and said, you know, can I pray with you or can I pray for you? And then I, then I watched some things happen. There have been places I've gone in the last couple of weeks just because I, I, I want to listen more and I want to be obedient more that I wouldn't have gone, I don't think, uh, a year ago. But the Lord's saying, I want you to pay attention to my Holy Spirit because these little things that you think are little are going to be a big deal in people's lives and your life as well. Don't overlook my voice in your life. And whenever I, whenever I think about me needing to listen... And really hearing his voice, I always think 
about, you know, my friend Elijah. You know, when, when he was standing out, God said, I'm going to speak to you. And his voice wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in the earthquake. We know what it was in. It was in that, that still small voice. See, we get caught up with the earth. I was going to, is that earth, wind, and fire? That's a band, isn't it? Is that a music rock band? We get, we get caught up with, with that in life. And we, we get caught up in the big things. And we get our adrenaline pumping. And we're excited about all the big things. And really what life is about is just one like uh, we hear, um, we hear the, the, the saying that, you, that Annette said a while ago that this is just one long obedience. That we just need to be quiet and hear the still small voice. And that's the way I want to pray for you. Can I say this? The power in our life that people will see and you will experience isn't going to come by shouting. It's not going to come by God shouting at you. It's not going to come by you shouting at someone. It's actually going to come through the still small voice of God's Holy Spirit. Take the moments of your day that are ahead of you and say, Lord, you have these moments. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. Send me, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. And then see what takes place. I don't know all the details. God's power is given to us to overcome temptation. God's power is given to us to do the right thing. The same power raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's power. Listen, God's power doesn't always get you through the, or makes the suffering and the pain go away, but it gets you through the suffering and pain. Are you hearing on that one? Doesn't make it go away, but that power that he gives us, the power of the resurrected son of Jesus in us, he, he gets us through those things. And that's what he talks about. He says your, his power is available to us. His power is able to keep us. The apostle Paul, the expert who, who talks to us about this, knows what it means to go through pain and suffering. I mean, read his biography or his autobiography, read that and find out if, you know, I know I'm not even close to being compared. The shipwrecks, the poisonous snakes, the lashings, the prison terms, all of these kind of things. And he says, oh, these are just light and momentary afflictions. How do you say that? How in the world do you say that? You say that because you know and you're confident of God's power alive in you that gets you through that. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you today for your amazing grace in our life and what you're going to continue to do, how you're going to work in us and through us. Lord, help us in this place keep the main thing the main thing. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray and we say. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.